Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, hey, hey! The man with two shoes they call Chief, and you are... S-Jubs! S-Jubs 7, how are you, my man? I'm alright, Chiefy Two Shoes, Six Pairs, Rubber Nipples. That's it, that's it. <laughs> listen, listen, i only got two words for you. Resident Evil! Yeah, that's right, you mentioned that you had been playing it on the... Yeah, I love that... Had that crescendo kind of crashing is brilliant. You'd mentioned you'd been playing on the PlayStation, and that inspired me. I was like, okay, I, I've been meaning to and wanting to do a playthrough of these games for quite a while. I will crack open the Resident Evil as well, but I'll play it on the GameCube. So the it's not a remake; it's just a a remodeling of the game. And on the GameCube, I'm I don't know what year it came out, and I can't be bothered to Google it right now. And the <laughs> box is miles away, so let's all hazard a guess at late nineties. But yeah, oh, no, so how the GameCube wouldn't it be like mid two thousands thereabouts? Yeah, you could be right. In fact, yeah, you just man. you just talk for a bit while I go and get the box. Just fill some <laughs> dead space for me. Could there be a more perfect time to discuss? a survival horror genre than the current quarantine hell that we find ourselves in. It's very timeless that we're talking about Resident Evil. So let's crack open those double doors. Completely right, because PlayStation itself was late 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, well, mid-90s. It was still raging through Ah. the early 2000s. I remember playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 when I was Ah. in my final year of school, which was 2002. Mm. Got it. So this on the back says Capcom Limited 1996, which must have been the original version of the game. And then it says 2002 or 2002 for this Nintendo version. So you're right. Ah. It was 2002 for the GameCube version and 1996 for the original version. But um, how are you getting on with it? Well, I finished uh, the original game in, I suppose, Ah. seven hours, (laughs) which is not a record time at all. But I really took my time with it. Chief, there's something so uh, very sedate about that style of gameplay. You know, it's all about item management at the end of the day. Do you have enough ammunition, health items, and space to survive your next run of play between save rooms? That's what Resident Evil really comes down to. And the thrill of knowing that that every item is scarce and limited and kind of knowing what you need to do to, to get through the next portion of the gameplay that's what really really got to me man yeah that, that jazzed you up so what's happened Big to time. me is i've played i've played about an hour of this yesterday uh, or the day before i think i put it in and what i found immediately was like you said it's a slow pace so okay fine it's a survival horror zombie game but this is not 28 days later these zombies aren't at the moment, you know, furly, um, hurling themselves um, arse over tit towards you at top breakneck <laughs> speed. Obviously, it cranks up later on with the, you know, the spiders and the snakes and all that stuff. The deadliness cranks up. But in this early phase, what I'm finding is I think I've only encountered two zombies. They were both slow, 
but the item management killed me because I've only got six slots available. Ah, they kept it faithful to the original then. So you're playing Chris, right? I'm playing as... I chose Chris. Yeah, you get a choice in this one. Yeah. Thank you, one. Oh, same with the original. Yeah, it's pretty much a... It's a shot-for-shot version of the game, just with better uh, pre-rendered graphics. But what about the red-eye zombies? That was the big talking point when they made the remake. That zombies can move through rooms and also they don't stay dead unless you burn them. Is that correct? Possibly, because I have completed this game previously, but probably not for 10 years, so I'll let you know on that. But yeah, like I said, six slots. I had uh, ink ribbons, I had an emblem, uh, a magazine, plus a gun, plus a herb, and then I found like three different things that I wanted to pick up, but I couldn't pick any of them up because I'm only got... <laughs> so you got a choice. Do I waste a green herb because my health was already at top, or do I waste 12 blank or tw- 12 um, rounds of ammo just so I can reload the cartridge and free up a spot? You never waste ammo, brother. That is the one thing that you ne- never do. <laughs> you know, I found obviously the typewriter, but I haven't found the first crate where you can mm. start dropping stuff off. So, yeah, it's good. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to I'm gonna probably play a little bit. I was going to say I'll play a little bit after we finish recording, but it'll be way past my bedtime. So maybe I'll get up <laughs> early in the morning and play some. Good man. But you've been doing all sorts of homework projects, haven't you, Chief? <laughs> I have. Gee, I'm, whiz, b- before we go on to that, uh, I am interested to know if you have the capabilities or desire to play any of the other Resident Evil games in the series. Well, having just completed Chris Redfield on the first game, I don't know if I'm going to do Jill, because I have done Jill in the past. Chris was uh, a a voyage of discovery. I'd never done it, because it was always the harder option. He had two Ah. fewer um, slots for items. He also starts with just a knife and not a a pistol, as Jill would. Ah, is that the difference? And he doesn't have the lockpick. Jill gets a lockpick, Chris has to use small keys. So they definitely Ah. ramp up the the difficulty both in like massive things like the gun and 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 finickety things like the lockpick but also you get a kind of a secondary difficulty setting if you will because when i i didn't i've completely forgot about that but now you're saying it yeah that does bring bring back the memory but when you go to start there's then there's two options a or b whether you take the nice ascent up the hill or whether you you know trudge through the mountains or whatever it is i can't remember the wording Uh but you then get an option to almost pick a hard or a normal level setting after that as well on the GameCube right. version. Yeah, the uh, the settings are up front in the old school version, uh, but I always pick the kind of bog standard right down the middle <laughs> normal yeah. setting because I'm not crazy like Chief, choosing no, 007 no, I've, on, <laughs> on GoldenEye. <laughs> I've, I've decided to play this one on the easier of the two level settings, having forgotten that I've chosen the harder character, but I'm more in the vein of I want to play especially I want to play a Resident Evil 4 again which is one of my all time favourite games nice. but I want to play them in order so in these media consumption strapped times where I've got too much <laughs> going on I want to get through it as quickly as possible but still enjoying it along the way so I, I don't want to go for these hard level settings but yeah I'm going to do this then I'll do two and then whatever three is three nemesis although that's quite expensive and hard to find on the GameCube I don't have it mm. I have got zero and I have got four, and I've got Code Veronica on the Dreamcast, and I've got whatever the other ones are on the Xbox Five, Six, and Seven, I think. But yeah, I'm going to plunge into two once uh, my admin has died down, because unfortunately I'm facing 
the annoying situation of not being in my home country during lockdown and my visa is going to expire in like a month and a half. So oh, to try jeepers. and get the, the ball rolling on a sort of upgrade to my visa is going to be costly and time consuming and and really come down to the wire. Though, I mean, okay. if, if Australia wanted to kick me out, I don't know how they'd go about it because ain't no flights in no way, baby. So uh, what I'm saying is, how come you're on here recording with the chief when you should be doing admin? Uh, dude, because uh, this is sleepy time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, sleep, who needs it, right? How big's that cup of coffee? I feel like the undead because I've just got this hunger that doesn't leave me. Can we talk snacks? <laughs> we can talk snacks, yes. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy, washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy, chewy sweets, cookies, built around jerky, snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers, bad mother truckers, and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, knock out snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. The snack police are in the his house. Oh, we're bad mother truckers, and we're eating all the crackers. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know it. <laughs> it's uh, you're up first this week. All right. Uh, so cruising the supermarkets, the one section that isn't decimated, fortunately, is the sort of the foreign aisle. Uh, and to that end, I found some spicy broad beans by a Ooh. brand called Savor. Not sure where they're located. Maybe it's on the package. No, it ain't. They just say, keep your country beautiful. <laughs> Please dispose of packaging properly. Uh, it's a foil packet. Anyways, I'm going to tuck into it. It is, oh, it's a product of China. So hopefully this okay. is pre-COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, cracking the seal on the packet. And yeah, they are broad beans indeed. They are squashed down and covered in crunchy stuff okay so we're saying like you said they're dried so they're kind of quite flat yeah man i'm gonna pop a, a trio in my mouth and give do you it. a report do it and just remind me again what the flavoring was just generic spice spicy mm. okay mm. you know chief i've discovered that of my senses my taste and smell are far and away the worst okay <laughs> because and we will get onto this in commonwealth colloquialisms but like okay when I have uh, some particularly strong BO, I, I can yes. never smell it. But Kim is okay. like, oh, get in the shower, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people, though, are somewhat immune to their own smell, if mm. you will. Well, I the think. upshot of it is I don't smell bad things. But the downside is I can't taste these broad beans. Oh, wow. I was going to say my first recommendation to you was actually going to be have a have a big gallon of water or something because in my experience those dried broad beans as much as i like them they will dry your mouth out lickety split mm, well fortunately i always go into these recordings with about a liter of water beside me but in this case man it, it's all about the taste and unfortunately i taste nada okay bad what's, but, what's your uh, what's your what's your snackage rating on that then? <laughs> are we rating our snacks man oh man we are now okay. um Look, uh, I'm sure if you are hungry and you need something to fill the void, you could grab a packet of this and, and be satisfied. But uh, it's not blowing my hair back, so it's no. going to be a, a three out of five. Three out of on five. On the snack meter the, uh, the, uh, the snack police are coming to seize that into custody. Right. <laughs> I, I sent you a picture of what I was planning to have, and that has now changed, my friend. Oh, so wow. I sent you a picture of, off, off the back of last week's homemade courgette cake, which I made another one of today, by the way, mm. um, I 
had made some honey and cinnamon spelt flour cookies with a bit of uh, sugar icing on top and I'd made a little face out of some uh, like uh, candy eyes and a bit of uh, gummy for a mouth and I'd made about 12 of these and I had one that I was gonna I should send you a picture of that I was gonna eat, eat tonight and as I was putting the kids to bed earlier I said oh I had two left and I said oh I've got one of those uh, cookies one of those cinnamon uh, honey cookies that you like you can have it tomorrow and she said just one she said that will mean <laughs> I only had two out of the whole batch and there was like 12 in total and so then it got Bean me feeling a bit guilty got me feeling a bit guilty that she would have only had two out of 12 so I saved both of the last two for her so good man good with chief. that in mind I have a trek protein flapjack cocoa coconut bar Ooh, buddy are you gonna be able to sleep after all that energy it's nine grams of protein it's gluten-free and it's vegan so let's uh, have a go oh shit i should have taken a picture okay you're gonna get a picture <laughs> now you're gonna get a picture now people of kind of a half opened bar anyway <laughs> and i also i am gonna put up the recipe for the courgette cake which i said i was gonna do and didn't do but that will be coming um wow that is firmer than i thought hmm well could temperature have something to do with that i like a flapjack to be a little bit gooey you know a bit a bit bendy well it might come up in temperature if it wasn't so freezing in the loft i mean what temperature are you at now how do i do that i'm going to look at my <laughs> apple apple watch and it tells me seven degrees <laughs> degrees that's centigrade uh, to anyone uh, yeah, from sorry. from the imperial north uh, yeah. <laughs> wow seven what degrees. are you clocking in at uh, probably about 31 bloody hell mm. <laughs> anyway that is nice but in the interest of our listeners having a good time on the show and not just hearing me munch uh, let's move on before we do move on uh, i do want to pick up on something again you said i've been doing my homework Another bit of homework I did is I watched The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Ooh, did you do it in one sitting or did you have to break no. it up? Oh, I did see. it in two sittings. Now we had chatted, we had chatted offline and you said you weren't convinced that the extended version, the extra scenes were necessary. Now I watched this on, what did I watch it on? Netflix I think it was or Now TV? Netflix I think. They've got it on Netflix? And they only had one version and that oh. was two hours... 58 minutes so i don't oh, know if yeah, that, i don't I'm know if that was the extended or not um did they have the scene where uh tuko goes back to his kind of his hideouts and the bandits kind of rappel down <laughs> from the ceiling or something i think it's a cave i seem to remember a cave i don't think so no okay was there a scene where uh angel eyes and and blondie the stranger uh, clint eastwood are kind of setting off to get the gold and uh, they have quite a languid pan from angel eyes to blondie and then blondie wakes up and guns a guy down cold blood and it turns out it's part of angel eyes's gang no ah well then maybe you watched the original cut the theatrical cut but two hours and 50 minutes that's a chunk man yeah, it's good. However, I I think I've only previously watched this movie once. Okay. And so you had forgotten what uh, the, the sort of the, the seesaw of trust that happens. Yeah, a lot of it. I, I, a lot of it was coming back to me, but you know, the, it was kind of like the iconic final scene in the in the graveyard, which was still 
kind of in my memory and the beginning and opening and stuff but there was a lot of kind of this the last third that i'd forgotten about um mm-hmm. but actually this is a, i gave this three and a half out of five good man which, yeah. which for me is a high mark i really really enjoyed it and Tuco is the main man here, really. I think isn't <laughs> Eli Wallach. Yeah, yeah Eli Wallach yeah. is uh, fantastic. Is, is the star on show and basically a scene chewer, chewing up those scenes, stealing the scenes because he is fantastic. True, 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 true. Yeah, and yeah. something that you have to be slightly more mature to appreciate. Uh, certainly, when I was a child watching this, it was always always about Clint. You know, he just had that movie star vibe about him that yep. you just wanted to see more of. But Tuko, he chews the scenery and does it so well. Yeah. Oh, man. And Fantastic. It, that, that, it, it got me straight away because I was like, can I handle this heavily kind of cinematography and big panning shots and lots of stretches of not necessarily too much happening or too much dialogue, but, you know, it was very tense. So that first scene where Angel Eyes comes in, to the guy's home Ooh, and yeah. the family's there and they have a chat and they're sitting down they're just looking at each other as they're eating dinner and smokes him and then smokes the older kid as well and it's just just the the mother and the, the young kid find that the dead bodies in the scene it's just it's really gripping stuff mm, yeah definitely a, a film from a more sedate time and certainly the sort of last hurrah of the western uh what did you think of all the dubbing I mean, obviously, on set, yeah. it occurs to me that the actors were speaking in Italian. Yes, yes. The sort of the bit parts. At first, it was like, okay, I, I accept that it's dubbed, and I'm not sure it was the best, but then 25 minutes into the movie, it's just one of those things where if you're watching a subtitled movie, uh, after a while, your eyes just and your brain just work in conjunction with each other, and you forget that it's kind of subtitled. It's the same thing with this. I thought I thought I got used to the dubbing. I don't know if I can agree. I would I would prefer dubbed over subbed any day of the week, and I'll tell you why. I'm not saying that I prefer one or the other. What I'm, I'm just yeah. saying is my brain reacted in the same way as if I was watching a subtitled movie. Right. Where, where if I'm watching a subtitled movie for the first 15 minutes, I'm conscious that there are words I'm reading and looking yeah. at a picture, and after that, it just becomes second nature. And the same thing happened with the dubbing here. I was conscious that the dubbing perhaps was a bit off-putting for the first 20 minutes, but then I kind of forgot about the dubbing, if you will, and just Mm. carried on as normal. The reason I have a go at subtitling, the last film I saw on circuit before I left Cape Town at the beginning of the year was Parasite. And I think having to read my way through this Oscar-winning film really hurt it for me. Really? It hurt the, the narrative flow. I couldn't engage as much with the characters because I wasn't able to look in their faces all the time. I was reading through, like, you know, skimming the text to get what they're saying and then kind of flipping my attentions up to see their faces. And that's only magnified when you're watching it on the big screen because you're actually physically moving your head. You know, yeah. it's not just a kind of a dart of the eyes <laughs> as it yeah, would true. be on a TV screen. It's... um. It's distracting and really, it, it did hurt my enjoyment of that film, which was, you know, a pretty unique feature film. Um, okay. I guess Oscar-winning worthy, but not for me, man. Okay, yeah, I've not seen it. I, I don't mm. necessarily have any great desire to see it. I probably will at some point, but it's it's way down the the wish list at the moment. Ironically, I mean, it deals with self-isolation. So it was not only the best picture winner and a very notable foreign film, but also kind of 
prescient in a way. It really yeah, predicted our yeah. our future, hmm, our immediate future. Yeah. Listen, I want to talk about some comics and oh, Joe yes, comics, please. and uh, you're the man that's going to do it with me. Bam! It's comic talk. It's comic talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box. Talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. Okay, so should we look at covers first? Oh yes, Chief so, remembers the format. <laughs> hey! <laughs> ding ding! <laughs> um, 177. Oh, I've got the wrong issue. No, I haven't really. It's one, it is 177. Mm. Uh, this, I have got the cover A, which is the Ron Friends Salbashima cover. Yes. Cobra Commander. What do you know? Lots of guns being pointed at Cobra Commander again. I think that's becoming one of my pet peeves. Yeah, yeah, we brought that up like, previously. He was our yeah. big bad, and he's constantly at gunpoint. Yeah, and on his man. knees, no less, as well. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> uh, the cover B is Herb Trimpe with the retailer incentive being the Larry Harmer cover. Mm. Uh, these are small insets for me, so yeah, I'm not I'm not sure these are the best. Uh, not too much has changed between the pencils and the, the finishes by, by Trimpe, except Trimpe added uh, a lot of bullets, you know, flying at Snake Eyes and Baroness yeah. and pinging into the, the, the brick wall behind them, which is like a, just, I suppose it sells the action, um, yeah. but it uh, the one bullet is hitting dangerously close to Baroness's head and just kind of <laughs> puts puts the focus on exactly how unlikely or unsurvivable a situation these two characters find themselves in. Yeah, Backed up yeah. against a wall and under multiple automatic fire. It's just like, whoa, guys, who's writing the action here? I'm not a massive fan of either of these covers, to be honest. Okay. I think I prefer what we got on offer in issue 178. I've actually got the cover B, which is the Herb Trimpe... Hmm. Uh, after pencils by Larry Harmer, kind of looks like an issue of Special Missions. It does. Um, the yeah. only issue I've got here is that Stalker looks a bit chubby in the face. <laughs> well, bro, he'd been confined to base up until uh, reactivating himself uh, in his yeah. in his spare time. I mean, these yeah. three guys are doing this uh, rogue. Basically, this isn't a sanctioned GI Joe mission. Yeah, and look at the death stare Scarlet's given into the back of the head of that uh, Cobra Trooper. Bad intentions. And the cover A is the SL Gallant Gary Erskine cover, and mm. this this looks like a good one actually. I've, again, I've only got the small, small little inset, but BN zero zero one is kind of menacingly hovering above a primed for action Snake Eyes. Yeah, four arms, each of them holding a monofilament weapon. Yep, General Grievous lives again. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. I wonder if Snake Eyes will pull the interesting like. Two finger uh, stance, (laughs) (laughs) the Obi Wan Kenobi. Which where did that come from? That's pretty unprecedented. Yeah, right. Let's now dig into the insides, and before we do that, here is a recap on GI Joe Romero. One take uh, out your ass, there, Chief. (laughs) (laughs) Let's look at what we got on the insides, and it's a GI Joe Real American Hero recap. After Cobra Commander's son, Billy, was killed by a mysterious group known as the Blue Ninjas, Cobra goes on the offensive and begins tracking down anything they can find on the deadly ninja clan. After infiltrating one of the Blue Ninjas' abandoned facilities in Maine, Cobra makes a shocking discovery. There are Blue Ninjas disguised as Crimson Guardsmen all over Broca Beach. Cobra has been infiltrated! 
Meanwhile, after defeating a blue ninja cyborg at a robotics facility, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow follow the next lead to the house of Dr. Eleanor Shen, a scientist with ties to blue ninja technology. Upon arrival, they find the bodies of Cobra Vipers strewn about everywhere and discover a console set up in the basement that used to house the Blue Ninja leader. Dr. Shen is revealed to be an attack cyborg, and Storm Shadow is gravely injured. Before Shen has a chance to strike Snake Eyes, she is blown away by sniper fire from the Baroness. She offers Snake Eyes help in getting Storm Shadow medical attention. Guys, a long one this week. I'll accept that as one take. Uh, Chief, I think I think your record remains unbroken, brother. Okay, you, you're the man. You're the man with the editing skills. <laughs> so, yeah, basically what we've got here is two issues of a big throwdown. And I want to put this straight out there. This felt like the Battle of Springfield kind of mm. vibe, which was, what, issue 50, I think, of the original run. It's it's escalated very quickly. There there seem to have been hints of blue ninjas over the last few issues, but just one or two here and there. And in these issues, what I felt like it was full on, almost army versus army combat in Broca Beach, and I felt it happened a little bit too quickly. Oh really? Okay. No. Uh, look, I'm glad they got to this point. I mean, it, it felt like the Blue Ninjas were building towards one thing and then quickly switched tracks to another. I guess these things were happening con- concurrently, but we first meet them as a, a group that are trying to hunt down Arashikage cells. Yeah. Uh, but this is definitely their master plan. They want to take on Cobra and infiltrate, move in. Yes. But then they switch up and do a, a pitched battle anyway. So they started out infiltrating and now it's just a case of like, well, let's blow that and, and just you know take them by force of numbers instead. Yeah, I guess we still don't really know their true motivations yet. Hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of the timing of it, I don't know, Chief, I don't call it too quickly. No? Nah, you know what? I kind of wanted them to get to this point because I wanted to be done with the blue ninjas altogether. Right. So if this was a credible threat that G.I. Joe and Cobra had to team up together to squash, then that is a worthy fate. I fear they go down a a middle road which is less successful because, well, let's not spoil it, but I I think the blue ninjas are going to be with us for a good time to come. Okay. For better Um, or for worse. Yeah, yeah. There's, There's a bit that caught my eye early in this issue. And it's it's quite a funny line. The, the Baroness is dropped off Storm Shadow, making sure he gets all the best medical care with her her black. What is it? What she's got? Some. Sort I think of, it's an uh, American Express. It's a uh, black card, yeah. And yeah. as she's coming out, she's taking off a coat, and she's got a full-on, uh, you know, <laughs> you'd never wear it anywhere Baroness outfit. And she says to Snake Eyes, "It's all taken care of, Snake Eyes, so you can stop skulking in the phil- philodendrons." And kindly remove that ridiculous coat and hat <laughs> as she's strutting about in full skin tight leather. Yeah, it's far less ridiculous to be wearing a gimp suit laced with hand grenades. Nice yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm not going to wait till the toy section here. I'm going to call it out now. Uh, we mm-hmm. actually had an email from Brent Richards who pointed out that there were actually Blue Ninja toys. Big time. My yeah. mistake. And we will get into that. Okay, think, all right. Mm. Okay, well, well, I'll save it then. I'll save it. Preempted, <laughs> preempted listeners. Uh, we don't do any sort of planning on this show. We, we, we only talk when we come on the air live, and then we don't talk again until another week. Anyway. Freestylers, <laughs> baby. Joking. 
Yeah, that was quite cool. And another thing that, that I picked up early on is when their Baroness and Snake Eyes are e exiting this honor, they're going on to, they're going like a, through a toll booth or something, are they? Or they're exiting the hospital and Snake Eyes has still got his mask on or he's putting it back on and the security guard is like, oh, oh, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. And the Baroness says, it happened to him a long time ago, a helicopter mishap in the Middle East. Now, mm -hmm. is this a retcon of Snake Eyes' origin, changed, like they did with uh, Tony Stark, where they changed him from being in the uh, South Korea War, where he got his Iron Man armour, to being in the Middle East to modernise it? Or is this just the Baroness throwing a bluff to the guard? Hmm, what makes you think that uh, this has altered the timeline a bit? Oh, shit. I'm thinking, of course. I'm thinking Snake Eyes was disfigured in Nam, but of course it was on that secret mission, wasn't it, with where he saved Scarlet, which probably was in... Was that, was that in the Middle East? That was... I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of the okay. early original 13 Joe missions that we never really get much uh, more information on, at, at least not in that era. They no, then revisited... I think it's way, in issue 151 or yeah. something, or 152, where you get mm. the, the history of that. And of course, potentially it is the Middle East. So there you go. Chief knows nothing about G.I. Joe history. <laughs> no, but it's a good shout. I must say my first thought did run to, hang on, is she resetting it? Is this kind of a retcon? No, actually, you know, it's, it's very easy to confuse those two things because, yeah, Snake Eyes got horribly wounded in Nam and had to be exfilled by Tommy, by Storm Shadow. And then again, he gets horribly wounded uh, in one of the early G.I. Joe missions. Um, so he's just, yeah. man, he, he's had some bad run of luck. Uh, he had to earn his stripes to become this unkillable ninja god. That's it. Okay, so we flip forward to Broca Beach. Um, how do you feel about... Cobra Commander's ploy for rooting out some of the uh, traitors by asking them who the leaders of the Crimson Guardsmen are. Seems pretty obvious. <laughs> and he gets shown up uh, later on. So I guess yeah. this is this is the setup to the gag that gets paid off in the next issue. Yes. But yeah, it seems a bit cut and dry. Uh, if only Cobra Commander had known that all he needs to do is switch off the lights and see which uh, the Crimson Guardsmen have the red glowing eyes. That's it. That's it. And also, also the lack of restraint from the Blue Ninja to not rise to the bait. Oh, jeez, yeah. You'd think they'd have better intelligence than that. But yeah. anyways, yeah, considering... he whips out his monofilament weapon, which also would have been a dead giveaway. It's like, hey, Fred, why are you carrying that strange piece of unique equipment that we've never seen before? And also the lack of information, like you say, because later on, BN001 is able to tell that was uh, Arashikage ninjas in action and he uses a sword that has been a hundred folded by Professor Onahashi. So he's got plenty of information. He just didn't pass it down to his uh, troopers. Buddy, I'm so glad they inserted that little info dump about Snake Eyes' sword because this whole time I'm wondering like, yeah, uh, cutting through flesh is one thing, but cutting through robots is another and, and any regular blade would get blunt after the first chop. Yeah, this ain't um, no lightsaber, baby. That's it. Uh, how do you feel about Cobra Commander's Sigma-6 battlesuit? <laughs> well, it's a much maligned era of G.I. Joe, but it's cute that they added a nod to it. I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with Sigma-6, the cartoon and the toy um, line. Zero. Zero. Literally zero. Well, this was a real thing. They had, I think they were about eight inches tall. 
G.I. Joes that were kind of very anime in their style. Yep. In fact, I'm going to send you some pictures that I had on the hot standby just to give Chief uh, uh, a first blushing with Sigma well, 6. I say zero. I, I, am, I was aware of it in that I've heard of Sigma 6 and I actually have got issue one of the comic but i've never read it but i think it was a as... free comic book day giveaway, yeah that's the one i've it? got i've got the free comic mm. book day issue one that's as far as i got so now you're sending me some pics here let's have a look holy tortilla chips <laughs> look at that oh the live reveal yes okay so do you see the similarities between yeah. this look and his sigma six look okay they, they decided to make his body armor silver i suppose to make it differentiate from his regular battle dress that last one, he looks like someone out of Masters of the Universe. Yeah, well, for not, not for no good reason. The action feature was the um, similar to the armor uh, He-Man okay. that had the kind yeah, of yeah. cracked chest that you'd like you'd hit three times, and each time yep. a new skull would appear on his, his his armor. That was quality. I love that. That's the the gimmick with all ah. Sigma Six Cobra Commander. Okay. Um. Anyway, what what what's how do you feel he fares in this comic book version? Look, it's it's fun that we left on a cliffhanger of um, him wanting to step up to Blue Ninja. Uh, that happens in the next issue, but it's nice to see Cobra Commander outfitted for battle. You know, it's really come down to that. Yeah, He's got... he, he looks. I think he looks a lot better in the battle helmet rather than the red hood. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but I mean. The, it seems like he's in a transition. I mean, if we ever wanted to know what the final piece of armor that uh, that Cobra Commander dons is, it's always the helmets. Because, yeah, he's still kind of barking orders. So he goes with comfort and breathability yeah. over the buckets. I mean, <laughs> so, it, I'm at, it must get pretty clammy with the, the good old mirror face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get, there's another funny bit here where the, uh, the cops or whoever it is, the police, they go into look for storm shadow and he's not in his bed and the window's open so rather than having just got out and climbed down there's only one explanation clearly he's dracula what is he dracula is three <laughs> floors down with no fire escapes or handholds so interestingly that dracula was the first go-to observation for that that security guard guy oh superstitious cops man damn <laughs> are we in transcarpathia yeah right <laughs> you can tell that it's Ron Friends on Artists. Sorry, I didn't give the um, the credits. Let's just roll that back. So obviously Larry's writing. We've got Ron mm. Friends on uh, pencils. Sal Bashima is on inks. And Jay Brown's on colours for this issue. What do you think of the switch-up from uh, Gallant? Uh, these guys are old-school guys. So, nice. you know, they, they were around doing stuff in Marvel in the 80s and late 70s. So huh. they, they, they're probably getting on a bit. But I think it's probably freeing up Gallant time-wise because his his work is quite intricate and a lot of detail so maybe he just needed a, a fill-in and I, you know I, I I quite like it I quite like the 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 style of these guys I've liked their work for quite a few years but there's one particular bit you can tell they're having fun because right towards the back of the issue where there's a couple of pages to go and Snake Eyes and Baroness meet up with Mindbender Mm -hmm. and when Mindbender sees him he turns into kind of like a shivering cowering wreck of a buffoon <laughs> but he's he, he's uh, 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 and you know it's almost like he's crapped his pants 
So maybe they're taking the comedy a little bit too far there. Well, normally when you're that close to Snake Eyes, it's your ass. Yeah. I do like the fact that they, they give Baroness a little bit more maturity. Uh, unfortunately, as with most female characters, artists tend more towards the cherubic. You know, like females yeah. are young-faced. She seems to have a very much more senior uh, feel and look to me in this artwork, yeah, which is yeah. good. She is, you know, she is older. There's no Destro going on here, and it's actually mentioned, she mentions herself, oh, Destro's not coming, or Destro's not involved. Sure, yeah, and yeah. There's no, there's no. I guess the main reason could be that he would kind of ruin the dynamic from a story point of view. It's a better story when it's just the Baroness and Tommy and Snake Eyes initially, and then Baroness and Snake Eyes forms a better kind of dynamic duo if you will, and Destro yeah. would probably just be a third wheel. Unholy Alliance. Chief, yes. I want to get back, way, way back, to the beginning yeah, of the it. issue, where she introduces herself as Anastasia de Cobre yes. uh, when she's paying for Tommy's um, hospital stay. Now, I have you and Ben to thank for turning me onto this fact. Go on. That way, way back... When Baroness was suffering her burns and going to the sort of reconstructive uh, surgery or cosmetic surgery yep. institute, the Burn Institute in Switzerland, yes. Yes. Uh, led by Dr. Huntkinder, um, that major blood blusters through the kind of, you know, identifying her as someone. Um, he sort of says, uh, Baroness um, de Cobre, in a very yeah. kind of like offhand scrambling for some kind of alias. But it seems like in G.I. Joe canon, that moment has been taken as fact. That this is actually her real name. Right, yeah. Do you think the origin of the name is just in Major Blood kind of scrambling to come up with something in that moment? Or do you think she was called Baroness de Cobre at the off? Well, that is a good, that's a good question. And now I'm Maybe trying we should leave to, it to the listeners to decide. I'm trying to recall... The the issues in the Snake Eyes trilogy, which I think is is that ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, something like that, where he sees the flashbacks, and mm. the stalkers giving flashbacks, and where the Baroness thinks Snake Eyes killed her brother. But even at that stage, it could be a retcon. It could be a case yeah. of like her being taken to be called Baroness. Anastasia de Cobre for so long that it gets written, sort of woven into the fabric of G.I. Joe law. Because right. by that stage, um, there had already been a, a dossier. You remember in the in the old floppies, they used to print uh, character dossiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, yeah. For, for a certain period, they, they did definitely kept that up. So in that issue, which is in the, was it, early 20s maybe? Yeah, must have been, sure. After the fall of the original pit. At that point... What what was her name on her file card? Uh, classified. Classified, right? Okay, I see what you're saying now. So you're saying, d- did she even have a name at that point? And was was this kind of offhand comment by Major Blood, who was just trying to give her a false name to keep things quiet? Did that turn into, you know, GI Joe fact, if you will? Yeah. Wow, interesting. That's 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 yeah. I don't it, know. I've you know really what? It, about in it. her original file card, it just says code name Baroness. Right. Uh, okay. The birthplace is classified. Uh, we don't get a first name or second name or even an alias. It just plunges straight into primary military specialty, secondary military specialty, and all that jazz. Right. So I guess it, I guess it could be yeah, like you say, one of two things. Either that was her name and blood was just stumbling, 
or mm. he was trying to cover up for what her real name was and it ended up becoming her real name. But yeah, no, But whatever the or- origins are, it's now printed on file cards that her name is Anastasia de Cobre. Right, okay, got it. So it has become... This is a controversy that will rage. Maybe the <laughs> listeners can solve it for us. Is this a alias or is this a real file name? Yeah. Let us know. Interesting. Larry, if you're listening, maybe you could weave that into an upcoming plot. <laughs> Larry's not listening. Pencils down at IDW, I think, anyway. Well, um, then he's got more time on his hands to listen to <laughs> the inane ramblings of a pair of fans like us. That's it. That's it. Um... The action really ramps up in the next issue because this is where, you know, all the forces align. There's forces coming in by Chopper to, to back up the Brocker Beach crew. There's uh, forces coming in from the sea. There's the, the Blue Ninjas has, has kind of got all of his, uh, whatever it is, Epsilon and Omega, all the different Delta, all the different forces doing skirmishes are now kind of brought into one, one place. Hmm. They acknowledge that the big threats are... Baroness and Snake Eyes, <laughs> who yeah. they had backed up against a wall under automatic fire, as I mentioned earlier. But somehow their, their plot armor is so thick, they're yes, able to yes. bounce bullets. Well, one of my favorite bits here is when the Blue Ninja, BN001, who's in the ice cream truck, mm-hmm. and he's about to run down a load of BATs, and uh, he says, I'm activating uh, Scythian chariot mode. Don't slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz! It and a load becomes of, uh, a lawnmower, like yeah. an old school lawnmower with That's the it. blades, rotary sort of lawnmower, helical brilliant. fashion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't noticed before, but uh, they pop out some sort of uh, wheel scythes as well yeah. out of the, yeah, yeah. The, the wheel hubs. That's it. And the next mm. panel is basically just body parts of BATs flying off in all directions. Mm, kind of ruthless. <laughs> they don't regard bats as brethren. No, uh, they regard them as these kind of these Neanderthals that need to be wiped and out. And for these kind of these high tech warriors, it seems strange to have put on you know all these bladed weapons and like you said, uh, a fancy lawnmower in the front of the <laughs> ice cream truck. When were they thinking? I know we're going to need this at some point. Brilliant, A team style <laughs> comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe they have some f- horrible fate for meat. You know, all these guys surrendered their meaty parts. Uh, you know, maybe they have maybe they have green thumbs and they like to use yeah. human remains as compost. <laughs> Body horror, torture porn. Um, you mentioned earlier about the setup for the Cobra Commander gag. It's not really a gag. I guess it is kind of a gag, but maybe it's not a funny one. But no. the, the payoff here is now he's called out another CG. And he's like, you must be a traitor. Who are the twins? And the guy's he's stuttering. So Cobra Commander shoots him dead. (laughs) And it turns out that he's actually Fred 37 who had a speech impediment. Yeah. That's wrong on so many levels. But the most superficial is obviously the fact that once again, we're lampooning Cobra Commander. Yeah. You know, he's been shown up to be a complete buffoon. And they even spell it out. BN001 says, uh, if he's faked that four appearances then he must be a genius but he's not so he must be in the dark about the hacking because obviously yep. bn001 is watching the scene inside the waxworks uh, with glee and wondering if you know cobra commander is uh, putting on a show for bn001's benefit but determines that because of 
the unfortunate slaying of an actual Crimson Guardsman, flesh and blood one, that he must be oblivious. Which is yeah. a pity, man. Once again, I just feel like there ain't no respect for CC. Yeah, and I feel like it's unfortunate even more so because over the last five or six issues, we've seen him kind of get a moody mean streak and authoritarian profile going on where you're like, okay, he's back to, you know, where he was a proper badass and people are going to fear him. But the problem is it kind of, it's peaks and troughs. It's, you know, Mm. ups and downs. He has that, but then the next issue he's doing some sort of calamitous Three Stooges routine and then, oh, he's back to being a mean guy. And then, oh, so just (laughs) the handle is all over the place, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I guess there's no going back. The unfortunate thing with convoluted continuity is like once you've established a character as your butt of the joke, then he'll never be regarded as a serious threat ever again. Yep. you got to look to other characters for that threat, and I suppose that's the function of BN001 at this stage. Yeah. Did you lament or miss there not being too much actual G.I. Joe roster action across these issues? Now, I'm kind of looking at the pages where the boat's coming on and you see who three hidden people are, and it's kind of a depiction of the cover stalker scarlet and duke and there's a really nice point of view shot where she's the old throwing star i know we don't necessarily like the throwing star trope as a as a ninja (laughs) killing weapon but it's a nice draw as a camera killing weapon it's it's all right (laughs) i mean she's taking out the live feed at that point yeah hey chief i have a big problem with this uh because the joes kind of come out of uh, their desk duties to assist Snake Eyes. Yes. But what they are doing at this point is slaying Cobra operatives who really just want to get back to Broca Beach to protect their families. Yep. All of a sudden, the Joes are on a very shaky ethical ground. This is an unsanctioned mission. They're slaying Cobra personnel who are actually on a mission of mercy. You know, protect their own sort of home base. They're, they're, this is... I don't yeah. like seeing G.I. Joe's deployed like this. And you have to imagine that there would have been some kind of communique from Snake Eyes or Storm Shadow to the guys to outline that the Blue Ninjas are the threat, the target, etc. So... <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I think perhaps um, the ethical side of things was switched off in favour of action. Because here we have like the most morally guided G.I. Joe in Stalker just going full auto on... Cobras that weren't doing anything particularly uh, terrorist activity to domestic American interests. They're just trying to protect their own. I don't know. I guess it's a case of like them going in half-cocked with no intel and find yes. themselves in a rather desperate situation. Yeah. But the, 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 the Joe presence on that boat altogether doesn't sit well with me. If they wanted to help Snake Eyes, why are they stowing away aboard a Cobra-held uh, transport ship, cargo ship? Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Small observation from me here, and I don't know if this is just me finding something that's not there or not, but I thought it was quite interesting. When we see all the blue ninjas going out to attack the ship and they kind of leap across the boardwalk, run across the sand, and then they dive into the water, the third panel down, there's three of these blue ninjas diving through the water, and Mm -hmm. to me, it looks like they're three completely different models in terms of outfits. So you've got the first guy on the left who's got the central cyclopean eye. Then you've got the the next guy who is 
Mandalorian. Mandalorian, yes, yes, great <laughs> shout. And the third one is is kind of a twist on that helmet. But interesting that I don't know if there were ever multiple designs or outfits of these characters, or I don't know if it's just SL Gallant decided to, I know, I'll draw three different kind of looking looking guys here, but I just thought it was quite an interesting touch. Yeah, I like the fact that they're not uniform because they might all be produced in different factories. Uh, there might be different um, revisions of or, or later models, later upgrades. Like, that is their uniform. Like, the, 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 the blue camo is just a fabric coating, but their actual, their head is those things like it's as as different as one troop might use a night vision optic while another troop might be using his naked eyes in this case these guys this is how they are actually equipped how they're yeah. sort of specced up so creating that kind of differentiation is is cool in my eyes yeah i'll flip the page and we've even got another example of we've just seen cobra commander being sort of chumped out and now when the ice cream truck with BN001 has kind of been blown up and he's escaped with this kind of spider module contraption and the troops are saying, quick, let's all get him. And Cobra Commander's like, no, divert them all to the boardwalk. And he's like, I'll take this guy personally. He's the one, if he's responsible for Billy's death, I'm dealing with him myself. So now, hmm. now all of a sudden he's got a backbone and he's kind of taking charge again so we're getting those swings even in the same issue are we sure this is the real cobra commander all of a sudden i'm <laughs> like hmm did he put a smart bat of his own inside that uniform yeah i guess we'll never know or maybe we'll it'll be revealed in future issues but uh, at this point it's uncertain he seems to be taking back the initiative but he's got a grudge to bear and and i guess trying to win back some of that that credibility and that dangerousness yeah yeah. But is it too little, too late? I don't know. And how tough is that armor? Hmm. We'll yeah, find exactly, out. Exactly. And th this also picked up a plot point that I'd kind of forgotten about, and that is uh, Sensei Moscovina, who was oh, Boris's yeah. right-hand lady, although she's no longer... Well, she's got a right hand still, no left hand, because <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, we were kind of under the assumption that she'd been... Uh, smashed up and done in done for by the blue ninjas but storm mm. shadow has come across some wreckage by the roadside and she's coming out of the lake and you know he helps oh, it was cobra up. that did her in mate sorry they oh were, of course yes cobra yeah. yes 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 because she was left for dead that's right yeah well she's and got an axe to grind i guess with both blue ninjas and cobra so she's entering what we would call a target rich environment <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, they kind of get into the car and drive off. And then, you know, we're, we're looking forward to see what's going to happen next issue. Big time. Yeah, yeah. I suppose things are going to come to a boil if they're not already past boiling point. Have which you, is exciting. Have you read much ahead in this particular uh, reread that you're doing? I like to keep it slightly uh, blind. You know, I'm not entirely sure what comes next. I think Cobra Commander does throw down with BN001. Uh, I know what happens ultimately, and I'm not going to give that away if anyone's okay. still in the dark about this stuff. But yeah. yeah, the last time I read this was about a year ago, okay. and that was also the first time I read this. So it definitely isn't as ingrained as, as the classic stuff is in me. Okay. So this is all very fresh. Yeah. I'm curious, Chief, what percentage do you think of the listeners are reading concurrently? And who of the listenership just... You know, let our voices wash over them like a, a tide of general G.I. Joe talk. <laughs> Listeners, you say? Oh. Um, mm. I 
put a poll up on Twitter. I don't know how long ago this was. Maybe long enough for that poll to no longer be relevant. I'm saying, yeah. And <laughs> as basically, of I, I, I kind of said, you know, do you listen or do you listen and, and read along? And it was it was about fifty fifty at the time. Now, hopefully, the listenership has grown. Since, that was about a year ago. Since then. And oh, I it's would, definitely grown, man. You've had some superstars on this show. I would say <laughs> that the, I would say that the majority of people will probably have read the issues, but the percentage that are reading along as each one comes out, I'm going to put it as something like thirty-five percent. Right. Okay. okay. I don't know. That's could be, it. Could be the other way around. It could be sixty-five. But and I'm curious, what percentage of people listening do you suppose have never read this comic? This particular run, this IDW run, yes. Well, there's there's probably a few, I reckon, but oh, uh, I don't know. I I I I'm shooting. I'm in the gonna dark. guess. I'm gonna guess that close to fifty percent have never read the IDW run. Okay, and are listening to this kind strong. Yeah. Well, let's put a poll out and let's do find it. out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. More, more homework for Chief. <laughs> poll out okay all right that's done so what what are the questions we're going to ask uh, have you previously read this idw run of gi joe i guess so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right interesting i'm uh, interested chief before we can the comic talk there's a suicidal blue ninja that runs at the cobra wax museum and gets gunned down brutally and they say at the time oh that one was just testing where we have um fire suppression uh set up something to that effect so it speaks to the mentality of the Blue Ninjas. Is that the one where they then do a high five? Yeah, I think so. Let me take a look. Uh, flick back over the, the issue. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, blow them away. It's just a single Blue Ninja. Brap, brap, brap. Scree. <laughs> don't get too excited. That was just a feint to evaluate our firepower. Yes. So, if you're throwing away your troops in suicidal fashion, is that because... As a blue ninja, he's fanatical. Because once you've transcended and gotten rid of, rid of your fleshy parts, you've essentially become immortal. So surely throwing away your life means a lot more than human sacrifice. I mean, we're all going to die anyway. It's just a matter of time. That kind of thing. Like, if you're an immortal robot, a sacrifice like that is that much more uh, meaningful. Yeah. True. So, so would you say these guys are just that much more fanatical to be throwing away their lives so recklessly? Little Megatron quote. Um, <sighs> or do you think that they, once dead, upload their consciousness into the cloud, essentially, and get downloaded into a new body? Wow, that's some deep stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm cribbing uh, the Battlestar Galactica remake from okay. the 2000s. That was the idea. Like, the Cylons would never truly die. They were just kind of reawaken in a new body right so that might fuel their eagerness to just throw their lives away or throw their mechanical outer shell away they're just that much more aggressive because they don't stand to lose anything by being yeah. gunned down true hmm interesting which one uh, do you think it is chief i'm going with the second one <laughs> okay so they upload into yeah. the cloud and get remade yeah, yeah i buy that uh, interesting uh, cheap plug you mentioned uh, the line from Megatron we're actually reviewing Transformers the movie 1986 on this week's episode of The Outer Timers and this will be out now live by the time this pod lands mm. there you go Indeed. 
Uh, listen, I, I want to talk about some toys. You're the man that can help me, and I think <laughs> I've got an inkling about where you're going. Yeah, indeed. Let me throw you some, some pickies. What's he got for me? What's the man got for me? Boom. Sent. Here we go. Enjoy that. Feast your eyes, mate. Yes. Yes. Steve talks about toys, ho ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Today we are talking about the Cobra Combat Ninja version 1 from series 29 of 2013. This, for me, at the time, was a huge head-scratcher. Because, obviously, this comes from G.I. Joe Retaliation, the movie. Right. It looks like the Cobra Troopers were outfitted in that movie with a blue digital camo over a grey battle dress with web gear, with a black helmet. The balaclava was an embellishment. In the movie, they didn't have balaclavas under the helmets. They actually had just bare faces. But, you know, we up until this point... In order to keep the anonymity and the troop-building element of Cobra, we were used to the balaclavas under the helmets. But he came with an alternate head. Mm. And the alternate head looked like something from Metal Gear Solid, the ninja, with the single optic set into the head. Yep. And then there was the name, Cobra Combat Ninja. I must say, my friends and I at the time had no idea who this figure was meant to represent outside of G.I. Joe Retaliation's Cobra Troopers. And the name was just erroneous. Had we been reading IDW back then, well, then we would have known that and this what, is in what year fact. Is this? Sorry, this was 2013, was it? 2013. This is in fact a plastic encapsulation of IDW's Blue Ninjas. Yeah, because they came out in the comic, I'm guessing early 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Must have been. Or even late 2011, yeah. And we have Brent Richards to thank for alerting me to this. So I thank you, Brent, for finally shedding light on what this figure is meant to represent, particularly with its alternate head. But the fun thing with the Blue Ninjas is, because they rock the rubber masks, the standard head with the balaclava is equally um, applicable. And because head swaps are so easy with the modern figures, you could just snap off the head and put any figure head on top of that guy. He could be impersonating anyone with the rubber mask, including yeah. a CG. Uh, what do you think of the figure in, in the pictures that I sent you, Chief? I actually quite like the figure. Nice. He borrows heavily from an earlier mold. It is an excellent mold. That would be the Cobra Shock Trooper, who was perhaps a little bit too realistic and a little bit too plain Jane to be particularly signature Cobra to begin with. Right. But an excellent trooper nonetheless. And an excellent body to borrow from, excellent web gear to borrow from. Uh, They managed to finally get what they call digital camouflage correct on the uniform. Right. Because I don't know if you remember back in the 80s, we had obviously Storm Shadow version 2 with those blocky Tetris gray blocks on his uniform. And then we had guys like Repeater, uh, Shockwave is another example of guys that attempted to create digital camouflage at that scale. But it mainly, as I said, just looked like Tetris blocks. You saw my Storm Shadow uh, taking a Daredevil run down the slide. Chiefy, buddy, I was hoping we'd get into that. Okay. 
<laughs> Dude, it is so heartwarming to see you play with your toys. I mean, it's equal parts heartwarming and equal parts uh, terrifying yeah. to see how you rough up your toys. But they look immaculate. Their condition yes. is really good. So yeah. uh, hats off to you, man. You're able to to get some rough play in and not break any action figures. That's, yeah, I've posted, that's terrific, I posted some videos up on the Facebook page, the Talking Joe Facebook page. I might stick them up somewhere else as well. I've got to ask, though, have you had any victims, man? Uh, not had any victims yet. Shipwreck Wonderful. landed fairly badly. And I'm taking my life in my hands with blades because he <laughs> is every single joint is loosey-goosey. So anything could snap at a moment's notice with him. Mate, loose is good but at this point. Next time he goes down the zip line in the helicopter, he will not be piloting it. <laughs> Buddy, you've been ziplining figures. You've been launching figures off a, a slide. Yeah. Using a, a the sort of pull back and go Technic Lego sets. That's it. Oh, fantastic, man! And you're getting it all captured on video on on your camera phone, which is wonderful, dude. You yeah. got skills. You got mad skills. No, I'm not you sure You should about launch that. these videos on the the GI Joe book channel. Can I stick some up? Find a very welcome. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Give me a master cut of all of the takes. Okay. And we'll pop pop it on the the, the YouTube's. All right, cool. Appreciate yeah, dude, that. Yeah, dude, I can't wait. Back to this guy. Okay. So he comes with, uh, obviously, the interchangeable head, which makes him out to be a blue ninja. And it is the classic mono-ocular um, blue ninja head. It looks damn good, I must say. He does not come with anything approximating the monofilament weapon, which is a, a sad missed opportunity because that seems to be their signature thing. Yeah. When you're often seeing the guys just charging uh, with nothing but these, these non-lightsabers. He does come with a standard sword, which I suppose is a consolation prize, and that comes with a sheath. But then he also comes with a mess of other weapons. Four machine guns, at least. Yeah. Uh, rifles and submachine guns, one of which is molded to look just like the Cobra Troopers from Retaliation. So that's also nice. I mean, if you are doing a kind of a, a movie-accurate display, these guys will look good, flanking the, the Cobra Commander from that period. Yep. And then he also comes with a flag, a cobra flag and flagpole, which is very nice inclusion as well. Um, I don't know if you recall the scene in Retaliation where the cobra banners unfurl over the White House. Yes, yes. Yeah, look, I mean, it wasn't a great film in the final analysis, but it gave us some pretty striking images. Things that I think G.I. Joe Media had toyed with a lot at that stage. And that was kind of like America under threat... Who do they turn to in a time of crisis? None other than this private army called Cobra. Yeah. Uh, to defend them, ironically, from the terrorist organization called G.I. <laughs> Joe, yeah. which was the premise of that film, which is a wonderful premise and certainly has been used in other mediums. I mean, there was a cartoon series called Renegades, which also had that as its premise. Uh, Cobra being the, the good guys, you know, we're a pharmaceutical company and we're, we're looking out for you. Uh, meanwhile, they have a very kind of insidious uh, hidden agenda and then the final accessory which is this is the way you do it right ladies and gentlemen if you want to include a spring-loaded launcher do it like this <laughs> so what does it's this, a, what does it fire it has a garish red missile that goes into it but it's so well hidden by the launcher tube that you hardly see it right let me just cross-reference the picture that i've sent you and make sure that you yeah, you can't see the missile at all when the uh, the lid is closed. But the uh, the missile launcher has a kind of a, a joint at the tip, which opens up, a sort of a clamshell that oh, yeah, flips yeah. open top and bottom. 
uh, and then you can fire the red missile. So yeah, the missile is completely hidden from view. It's a nice believable tube. It comes with a tripod and a stand that has a joint on it. So it's multi-positional. This is an accessory that came, I think, initially with the Firefly from the Resolute cartoon series. But on closer inspection, they've done it up so nicely in Cobra Blue and included... I don't know if you had this toy as a child, but do you recall the Cobra Asp? I do, yeah. I had the Asp, yep. You had the Asp? Yeah, yeah. So the Asp had a fantastic sticker design, signature sticker design for the Asp, which was like a a, a coiled snake rearing up and breathing fire. Yeah, it was fantastic. Well, they replicated that on this weapon. Yeah. Which is a terrific nod to a classic toy. They're not going to give us the Asp, but they are going to give us a, what they call, (laughs) a BFG. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which is the the the, um, the, the, the term we typically attach to the spring-loaded missile launchers because they are so damn big. But in this case, the scaling works, and it's got a fantastic nostalgic nod to an older toy. So, you know what? For a figure that didn't really get much of my attention at the time, in retrospect, the Cobra Combat Ninja. Is a fantastic nod and fantastic addition to the modern era G.I. Joe line. Yeah. And I like it. I don't have it, but I like it. Right, okay. The more I look at it, the more the more I think it's a, it's a good figure, actually. Chief, I've never gotten your gauge on modern G.I. Joe action figures. Just in the broadest of strokes, what do you think, man? I, the change I, in the construction? No, I'm just out of touch in terms of i i haven't seen enough the the only times i ever see them is kind of when you send me pictures of them so uh, maybe okay. there's more homework for me there to just to go on and and go you know i say that but you know all the all the great facebook groups that are out there and all the instagram posts and stuff so yeah i i have seen some but i think i probably need to delve a little bit deeper just to just to know what's out there well let me put this out to the listenership as we all know we we got multiple releases of certain characters in the modern era line perhaps characters done to death so if anyone's got any multiples that they want to get rid of send them on to chief <laughs> so he can play test these under very adverse conditions zip lining them down for his daughter's <laughs> amusement and his own and our amusement as well because you'll no doubt video document the whole thing yeah, send Chief some figures guys uh, you, you can get the contact details at the end of the show that's uh, S-Jubs trying to plug me to get free stuff hey man I just want to take a break one week and have uh, Chief talks about toys <laughs> ho ho Chief talks about G-I-Jubs. and also let's not step on toes here because when you say playing with toys for my daughter's amusement most of those videos I've been shooting she's long gone inside the house and I'm left outside on my own so <laughs> I had a sneaking suspicion it was a case of like chief taking that ball and running it down all the way to the goal line baby <laughs> she's like she wanted an obstacle course and I'm like I'm doing zip wires at the moment so uh, wait your turn <laughs> you like zip lines don't you yeah don't you evil you do in? now evil yeah. in <laughs> Uh, good stuff there'll be more toys next week i think uh, steve will still be carrying the toy the toy banner next week but we'll see what happens but right now it's time for us to confuse people you definitely will i will i'm on a downward slope so we'll see what i can do but it's time for commonwealth colloquialisms aka over egging the pudding we got a pudding we got a pudding we're gonna over egg that pudding Ain't got no criticisms 
We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms. So what do you call Nats in the UK? Nats, N-A-T-S. G, I think G-N-A-T-S. Oh, G-N-A-T-S, okay. What do I call them? Tricky. Yeah. Do you have any other name for a Nat? Midgies. Midgies? Yeah. Gee whiz, I had never heard this term before reaching Australia. Okay. So uh, I guess I have failed with my Commonwealth colloquialism. Oh right, because you were because you were going to land midgies as your as your choice. As my Aussie choice, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, you definitely won't have gotten the the South African, one, but yeah, <laughs> midgies. It's something done. that Kim says. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but I mean, in South Africa, we call them mukhis. Right. And I guess that's just the the Afrikaans influence. Yes. Um, yes. So so in the rest of the Commonwealth, midgies are uh, commonly commonly held. I guess so. What's your uh, South African one? The South African one, if someone has some bad B.O., I told you we'd get onto this eventually, we would say, oh, that hones, brew. That hones. Hones. Okay. What a strange, strange colloquialism. I wouldn't know what the the origins of that are, but you could also say that honks. Honks, yeah. If something smells bad, it honks. Uh, Over here, I I always used to use, uh, that is humming a tune. (laughs) <laughs> as in it's humming nice. okay okay maybe they all have a similar stem but just have kind of been bastardized in various ways but yeah kind of sound based in a way kind of thing yeah, yeah. but if something really hones if it really hones and it's something that Kim has been using to death but right. using in the most amusing like bad conjugations I mean she doesn't use it in the right context or in the right format <laughs> right <laughs> she says things like oh that is hone I'm like no no no, no. That, that's not how you say it that's my that favourite hones that's my favourite when people get it get the wrong tense and the wrong uh, the wrong usage. Stephen, you are hone. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Fail. Uh, what do you got for me, Chief? My one is, and uh, now I don't think this is actually going to be a colloquialism. I think it's just probably the world over. So I want to almost retract it. But Ben's wife, Emma, was doing some Instagramming and she had made an activity for the kids. And she said, oh, look, I've made a great marble run using some old classic bog roll. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree. That is definitely something that I would only know of if I had gone to the United Kingdom. All oh, right. So, oh, so I was saying it was probably well known outside, but you're saying it maybe is confined to the UK. Okay. The bog. Yeah, bog roll. Gee whiz. So bog roll being toilet paper. Do you imagine the origins of that is because people would actually step outside and go down to the bog to, to take a uh, dump. make their movements? Yeah. <laughs> possibly. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Bog roll. There you go. Swamp. We'll um we'll have more colloquialisms next week. I think we we had one each good one. You had a a, a good one in theory, but was rumbled. <laughs> so uh, tune in next week for more of that. Now, right now, it's time for we ask you a question. We ask you a question. Listeners answer it, and then we discuss it on we ask you a question every time. I, d- I don't know what the words are. <laughs> like I say, bro, you are raw and uncut, freestyling it. So this one really came from it was a brainchild of SJub Seven, and he wanted to really see what the what the purists were thinking with this. And we had probably the best response we've had so far to any question. And the question was: If GI Joe had to cross over with something else, with another franchise or another IP or anything. Uh, what would it be? And then I added the second caveat of would it be a comic, a TV show, movies, toys, video games, etc. 
I've kind of stayed away mostly from these these social media channels, so it's coming to me fresh, so we can get an mm. honest take. I do I do actually really want to see that uh, Magnum PI Murder She Wrote. <laughs> I really want to see that, but let's have a look. See what we've got. Oh, man. So Angela Lansbury, she's still alive, isn't is she? Is she? Yeah, she's quality. I think so. Gee, okay, so Emmett, this is on the Facebook first. Emmett said, Stalker, Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow and some random Expendables versus Predator in Vietnam in 71 cartoon format. Oh, yes. Yeah? The parallels have been drawn a number of times, but never in the NAM setting and with the LRRP boys. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then straight, that's cool. straight that's after cool. that, Mark, a uh, long-time listener and friend of the show and actually my buddy, said... Uh, he also likes Predator, and he posted up a real cool mock-up he'd done on Photoshop of Predator crawling around the the log versus Flint, which is that kind of Zartan Flint statue. Um, sick. So that was so sick. That was good stuff. And then Emmett popped back again. He said, "Me and my brother used to take our Joes apart, try and recreate the cast. Blaine was Norgahide's head, and I think version two, Rock and Roll's body. Spirit took the role of Billy, and Roadblock was Mac." I don't remember who he used for the others. And Cobra La Royal Guard stood in for Predator. So he actually was, you know, playing Predator G.I. Joe as a mm. kid, which is pretty cool. I did a little bit of that myself. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think by that stage, uh, McFarlane had started uh, producing. Well, I say as a kid, I was mainly a, a, a young teen. McFarlane had started producing Predator action figures and they were hopelessly too big for the Joes to accurately scale to. But that didn't matter. The Predator was kind of always played with separately. It was like the threat was creeping and stalking and you're mainly playing it from the G.I. Joe's POV, you know, being stalked and being terrified and, you know, trying to lay waste to acres of jungle and hitting nothing. Right. Yeah, that yeah. was the, it's a great tense kind of situation to play out. So yeah. power to you, man. If that's what your playtime was, then awesome. Uh, you had a, a good childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peter. Uh, which is Mark's brother, Peter Seddon, said G.I. Joe versus Predator versus Alien could be fun, especially as an Elseworlds of sorts where the body count could mount up. Oof. I'm not sure. Do we Horrifying. want aliens involved in that or not? I think Predator feels a more natural fit. but Yeah, but just imagine some of your favourite G.I. Joes having alien eggs inside them. Yeah. That's 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 where things get gutting, man. It's like the sacrifice play. Yeah, if it like he says, if it's an Elseworld, so I know DC Comics, I don't think they still do Elseworlds. I think they might do, but they had a big line, especially in the nineties, of Elseworld books which were taken out of continuity, so they could do pretty much anything. You know, Batman becomes mm. gets bitten by Dracula, all that kind of stuff, and where anything goes. So in an Elseworlds kind of comic book, I think that would be pretty cool, actually. What about A-Team? Mark says, what about A-Team? They even had the cool G.I. Joe-sized toys and accessories and vehicles. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm sure the A-Team van must have been modded up at some point to be, uh, you know, G.I. Joe-ish. And I'm pretty sure that found its way into a lot of playtimes because the figures were so compatible. But man, the G.I. Joes would have shown up the A-Team action (laughs) figures quite quickly because those early Galoob action figures were like... Uh, man, they were brightly coloured and had the same body sculpts. I've never really been interested in picking them up as a result, unfortunately. The van looks fantastic, though. Yeah. Yeah, the roof comes off and you put uh, four figures in there. Yeah. Beautiful piece. I had the A-Team. It was kind of like a, it was kind of like an open-top boat kind of skimmer thing. And it had a motorised, it had a, like an electric or battery-driven motor on the back with a little propeller. 
<laughs> They'll slap an A-team logo on anything these yeah, days. That's it, that's an it. A-team boat. Did yeah. they ever use a boat? No. I suppose they must have cobbled one together Maybe. in one of the episodes, but yeah. it wasn't kind of a, as enduring as the van, no. obviously. Uh, Michael says, TF141 from the Call of Duty franchise have ghosts call them Muppets. I don't understand any of those words in that sentence. And Chief, you're the gamer in the group, man. <laughs> well, I know Call of Duty. I played Call of Duty 2 on the Xbox um 360 probably about i don't know 15 years ago ah but it means nothing to you damn damn we need more information (laughs) does it mean anything to you (laughs) zero brother sorry sorry apologies mike uh that's that's our our naivety there so if you stepped off in the ps1 era unfortunately (laughs) uh doug says gi joe team up with the x-men could you imagine snake eyes and wolverine together and you know what occurred to me it would finally conclusively explain Zartan's ability to shapeshift. Ah. He's a mutant. Simple. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. mutancy. I like it. So that would be fantastic. We're building in, uh, you know, origins here. Uh, Lucas says Joe's and Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. versus Terminator. Ooh. The first thing I thought of when I thought of that was in Judgment Day, you see an adult John Connor. Can you picture it? Yes. Yes. In those sort of those future war sequences, yep. that actor, well, firstly he looks like he could pull off Cable, but in equal measure he looks like the classic Nick Fury. Yes, he does. You know, with the, the salt and pepper hair, the sort of grizzled, you know, hardened yeah. face. Love that dude. Uh, he's seen Love a lot dude. of war. Yeah, I think Nick Fury ended up. There was some crossover a few years ago called Original Sin, and I think he ended up killing. One of the the watchers who are like not a celestial being, some kind of, you know, supernatural kind of creative universe entity, and he ended up taking his place. And I don't know, it all got a bit convoluted, and I didn't really pay too much attention. But yeah, old school Nick Fury, love it. Jim has popped up, and he is not a fan of crossovers. <laughs> <laughs> Understandably, the scourge of modern comic book culture. Although he does, you know, he does say that he likes the Tom Scioli G.I. Joe versus Transformers series, which uh, I, I rate that very highly. I think it's a style which will put a lot of people off, but I thought Tom had great fun with it. And it's kind of balls to the wall, just madcap action like you've never seen before. If you've not read it, then check that out. You'll either love it or it's kind of Marmite. You'll love it or you hate it. If, oh, I love it. Okay. Oh, you, you, you. Oh, yeah. There's more of a general question to the listeners, but you've read it as well, obviously. <laughs> Chief, at the time, I rated it so highly that uh, in my GI Joe sort of way of filing these things, I put it directly under special missions. Really? Yeah. Okay, that is high praise. Yeah, man. I think I think because it surprised me so, so much. Yeah. I, I asked you. Asked you a reread for me. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Well, or a special, a special something. Yeah. Let's let's do it. Quick. I don't know how quick it'll be. It's 13 jam-packed issues that take about an hour to read each. But anyway, uh, uh, Jim does pop up to say, on a positive note, how about a genuine hard-hitting, gritty attempt to link the early origins of the G.I. Joe team and the Palatoy-era Action Force unit, set in the early 80s, blending the battle Action Force stories and lore with Harmer's Joe tales. It could be a wonderful slice of Cold War geopolitical action-adventure storytelling. Oh, always a smart answer from Mr. Godfrey. Yeah. Uh, hats off to you, Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it definitely would give us a more realistic approach to warfare because in the vein of the Battle Action Force uh, comic books, I imagine they would take the grunt action figure and just make him the standard G.I. Joe troop. 
So you'd have a high body count on both yes. sides as a result. Yeah, mm. that sounds good. Uh, moving over to the Twitter sphere, Joe on Joe podcast says, G.I. Joe masters the universe. Cobra Lar has connection to the Snake Men. Portal opens up. Cross-dimension action. Buddy, you watched the Transformers the movie. How do you rate yeah. G.I. Joe the movie? Haven't seen it in a long time. That is, I'm putting that down as definite homework for mm. next week. I probably haven't watched that in probably 10 years, I don't think. I'd be curious to hear you and Ben talking about it because I know that he's a fan. Uh, yeah. I can only imagine you'd be a bit more lukewarm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I honestly don't know. So, yeah, that that tune in here next week when I will have watched it, hopefully. But Joe and Joe definitely has a, a point there, and it's a much maligned area of G.I. Joe, so we'll obviously never see it happen. Larry Homer personally has sworn off having any involvement with Cobra Law. But, yes. you know, if you dial back the clocks to good old Devil's Due days, they had no fear of, of incorporating that stuff uh, in their kind of yeah. G.I. Joe Transformers crossover. And so, hey man, I, I, I wouldn't mind. Snake Man, why not? I kind yeah. of like the idea. I mean, since we've seen so many permutations of Cobra Commander and him going from like, like extremely serious Machiavellian Bond villain to be a total send-up lampoon... I I wouldn't mind seeing the kind of mutated Snake Man version. Let's have that for yeah. a change. And and like we kind of mentioned, not everything has to be in continuity. Mm. What's wrong with having stories set, you know, in alternate universes or alternate timelines? Or not everything has to be one complete shared universe of everything happening is canon and law. If you know, treated properly and treated with respect, I think maybe even the hardest line, most realistic or realism-craving Joe fans could warm to the idea. Just in the same vein yeah. as Tom Scioli's Transformers versus G.I. Joe, if you take it as, as a standalone and just enjoy the story for what it is and the potential for it to catch you off guard, because that was the fun thing yes. with Transformers versus G.I. Joe. You had no idea where this was, go- this was going, and he did no. not disappoint. It was a thrill no. ride, man. Each page turn yeah. was like, whoa, what did they do? That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to get him on. If we can if we can get him on, if anyone knows Tom or has any got any connections, I'd love to get him on and pick his brains about that because you could clearly tell he was having the time of his life on that and he was, you know, working on a couple of properties that that just interested him. So that was interesting. Absolutely. Joe and Joe also gives us another one, G.I. Joe Legion of Superheroes. I'm not overly familiar with this DC comic property, but this, he says think, Legion get bounced from a time travel shenanigan. Mindbender steals the time bubble. Alabif becomes Tharok BAT. Okay, well, I know that this is one of Joe Slepsky's favorite comic books. Uh, he said okay. he said on multiple occasions, like this is comic book writing at its best, and maybe high enough praise for anyone who's not a fan to go out and track down this book. I'm surprised you're, yeah. uh, you're not in bed with it yourself, Chief. Well, I have read the Great Darkness Saga, which I think many fans say is one of the best Legion stories. That was that was quite a long time ago. That came out, and it was quite a long time ago I read it. But I thought it was okay, and I have dipped back in. Like everything in comics, I you know at my peak, I had like 12,000 single floppy comics. Mm. And... I was getting most things that were coming out month to month and I've trawled back issue bins and uh, online to get complete runs of really old stuff. And with a lot of series, even if I don't like it, I'll wait a couple of years, then I'll dip back in to see because 
I'm never one to say this is absolute garbage. I'm never again reading a comic book of that series again. I'm always, you know, if someone tells me something's good, yeah, cool, I'll give it a shot. And if it's not good and you were wrong, then tough shit. I'll try again later when someone different tells me it's good. <laughs> Persona non grata. <laughs> yeah, excommunicated. Yeah. But um, I have checked into Legion of Superheroes a couple of times, and I don't think I've ever necessarily disliked it. You know, I thought, yeah, this is this is okay. This is fun stuff. But because I was kind of getting so much i kind of had to make some cutbacks and it always kind of made the cut or, or failed to make the cut if you will but mm. anyway who's next next we've got chad and he says tv show anime crossover with gem and the holograms called weekend furlough in tokyo starring shipwreck obviously clutch torpedo and recondo adult themes viewer discretion advised <laughs> nice in cartoon yeah. format i assume a tv show anime yeah anime yeah. tv oh, show hentai indeed <laughs> okay cool nice you know what why not i don't know if hasbro would farm out their ip to an adult theme but as a fan project cool uh, yeah i give that a watch uh-huh. here you go here's one i know you'll be interested in from jared he says gi joe walking dead nice what's hey. the joe's handle the zombie apocalypse because i know you're into zombies well, I just think that there are various openings for uh, zombies in G.I. Joe. I certainly enjoyed smashing up my G.I. Joe action figures with a bit of survival horror when that genre was really peaking. Uh, yes. And I just in- imagined resetting one of your favorite eras, the, the invasion of Springfield, with yeah. a kind of a zombie apocalypse theme. That Cobra was evacuating Springfield under those conditions. And the G.I. Joe sort of commando team with like Co- uh, Snake Eyes, Scarlet, Torpedo, uh, I think Ricondo and Quick Kick were in there, Beachhead, Leatherneck. Those guys were sent in as the advanced scouting party and then make this discovery. So like a security cordon goes up around Springfield because they don't want zombies getting out. But all of a sudden like, oh shit, the Joes are stuck in there. And they have to survive this and escape without any support, without any other further risk of life. And Springfield, as you know, is like a puzzle city, just like uh, <laughs> the gameplay in Resident Evil. It's filled with yes. hidden weapons. It's filled with uh, hidden arms caches and poison gases and underground passageways and lasers in the arcade. So it makes for a very fun uh, puzzle box for the setting of a kind of a Resident Evil style G.I. Joe adventure. Yeah, I'm definitely. all about that. Oh yeah, so Walking Dead, <laughs> good suggestion by Jared. Uh, Scott says, I'd like a Visionaries Joe crossover. See if the Joes could figure out what's going on, if it's hallucination caused by Crystal Ball, the Crimson Twins, Zartan trickery, or real occult stuff. Mm-hmm. All that crystal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Uh, Doug says... Best version of the community G.I. Joe parody episode. G.I. Joe Transformers live action movie is my pick. Cool. Mm. Okay. Live action, yeah. I mean, you kind of had, in Transformers, you kind of had, was it the first one where you've got the army element? So Mm. I don't see why you couldn't have some, you know, more unique named G.I. Joe characters. Although I think maybe the Transformers is too big a franchise and G.I. Joe would get overshadowed in a live action movie. That is the danger. Um, I just think, you know, they, they would, just like the Transformers movie, be so divorced from the source material, they'd be unrecognizable. You know, in those Transformers yeah. movies, it's a bit of a running joke that the kind of the human sort of military team resemble the Joes a lot more than the, the robots resemble the actual Transformers they're modeled yeah. after. Like in the Joe team or in the, I don't know, whatever, the, the, 
the Transformers equivalent of the Joe team, there is a kind of a Duke archetype, there's a roadblock archetype. So there are Joes inserted into those movies, but uh, man, transforming Optimus Prime into a truck with like flame decals uh, and LED (laughs) running lights underneath. Gross, man. Just gross. Yuck and poo. Yep, yep. Uh, Jason is another on board the G.I. Joe Predator bandwagon, which is cool. Uh, Pumpkin Joe says G.I. Joe Aliens. Mark says the same. Mm. Laser Trooper says G.I. Joe plus A-Team comic book. Give the A-Team all the vehicles and gear of the old Galoob toy line. Nice. Which you were saying, the old Galoob toy line, I suppose in comic book format could be fun, <laughs> but in a, in, a, in a toy lineup, I don't think the Galoob stuff holds up, does it? No, no, but it might be funny to see them in those those jumpsuits. <laughs> what was it? Face Man in blue? Or, or gr- no, I yeah. think it was Mr. T in green. Good. But yes. then there was like a an orange shoehorned in there. There was an orange. Oh, my yes. goodness. That'd be funny. That could be, if, if Tom Scioli's doing that, I'm definitely reading it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know him. He'd be absolutely faithful to the toys. Yeah, uh, J.L. Lamastus says adventure team with Johnny Quest, either as a cartoon in Johnny Quest style or a comic book. That could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not massively familiar with the adventure team and Johnny Quest, but I have seen some episodes and read some comics, so that could be could be a fun little um, make it a family friendly. Yeah, exactly. Well. Uh, that's the that's the angle that you need to use because I always shy away from having young protagonists. Because I don't want to yeah. see a kid calling the shots and, and, and winning the day. It's the, you know, it's the crusher <laughs> scenario. Uh, or, yeah. or who was it? Um, T-Bob and Tracker's son yes. from Moss. Um, it just, it's, wow. it gets, the note gets played a little bit to death, unfortunately, because I guess they want to appeal to a young audience. But I always thought like, particularly when I was a kid, I didn't want to see a kid winning the day. I didn't imprint on no. the kid. I wanted to see the, the grown-ups, the serious, all-talk, all-business guys winning the day. I found it silly it. then, and I find it silly now. But Johnny Quest, I don't know. Uh, I'm not familiar enough to have a say either way. But that's my knee-jerk. I think it could, I think it could work if it was, like I say, kind of a, you know, an all-ages hmm, story sure. rather than rather than a mature one. Yeah. It would bring in uh, adventure team elements, which is a very G.I. Joe thing. It's like G.I. Yes. Joe in the non-violent years. Uh, yeah. It was more about adventure and, and questing. And, and that's Johnny Quest's bag. And to have a bunch I of... I think that could be interesting, yeah, actually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Telemnar says the obvious one is G.I. Joe Mask. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think, you know, that could, that could be a good one. We'd all want to see that uh, and done properly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Chris has got three. He's got G.I. Joe Gunsmith Cats... G.I. Joe Overwatch and G.I. Joe The Expendables, all done as either discrete comic book miniseries or animated movies. <laughs> I wonder if he'd age the Joes to be The Expendables. <laughs> like yeah. Joes coming well, out of I retirement. Guess, and I think it's one of those ones where everyone has an equivalent, so they all kind of square off in one-on-ones with their their equivalent counterpart. I think you'd run out of casting, really. I mean, I always imagined Terry Crews as Roadblock anyway. But before yeah. that, I imagined Ving Rhames, you know, in his prime. He just had such cool swagger. I mean, regardless yep. of whether or not he fits the physical bill, I always felt like Ving Rhames was a big dude. So he would sell that Roadblock feel. Certainly a lot more successfully than uh, Rock Block. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I have JRL, wash your hands please, says G.I. Joe versus the world. Cobra find the device, a techno bubble who travels across the universes and has capacity to control minds. G.I. Joe will fight against some heroes and villains from Thundercats, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Master of the Universe, Macross, and I am lady to write more. Ooh. That sounds like some kind of all-action, crazy, chuck-everything-at-the-wall scenario. Yeah, have your cake and eat it, man. Incredible. <laughs> it, so- it sounds like, um, wasn't that a Deadpool story arc when he kills every other hero? He's the last Deadpool, man standing. Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe or something like That's that. That's it, yeah. So in Already a similar vein, G.I. Joe's made to take on all these other franchises and win. Yeah. Uh, spoken like a true Joe fan. That's it. Uh, Derek is another one. G.I. Joe Renegades with the A-Team. A-Team getting a lot of love here. Love it. Mm. Love the A-Team. Yeah. Um, MC says, recently I've been thinking about G.I. Joe and the Centurions getting our favourite Joes into some upgraded battle armour that interchanges might make for some cool toys. Plus getting reissued Centurions would be awesome. So kind of thinking first person who's kind of suggesting a toy toy crossover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we touched on it before, but I mean, Sigma 6... The idea with those figures was to include uh, ports onto which you could clip various accessory pieces. Uh, I think the idea never really got off the ground too far, but Centurions would be a return to that. In fact, I I would venture that uh, the Centurions action figures were the initial influence on the G.I. Joe Sigma-6 toys, certainly in scaling. I think they scale up similarly. Okay, That feels like he's onto something that uh, has been bubbling under for some time now. Yeah, that could be cool. Uh, KJP Photography says the obvious one would be Transformers, but one that would be interesting would be the MCU. After all, it was the Marvel 80s Joe's comics I fell in love with in the first place. It would be pretty cool seeing Spider-Man or Captain America work with Snake Eyes and Scarlet. You know, reading the comic book issues under consideration today, I was thinking, like, the action is very Marvel in that you've got your central heroes in the middle of this onslaught of expendable baddies just kind of standing their ground and and you know taking no hits uh (laughs) so clearly gi joe and cobra for that matter have been elevated to superheroes so that works i think uh, snake eyes could stand toe-to-toe with captain america easy baby yeah definitely uh gk says gi joe terminator as a movie they kind of had that as a comic didn't they when I think it was one of the last issues of the Marvel run. Roadblock takes centre stage, and you've got one of the new advanced BATs, which looks very much like a Cyberdyne Systems 101. And and they went back to that on. well as recently as like I think three issues ago when yeah, they did. Snake Eyes and Storm yeah, Shadow and uh, and Boris are in Revenge Technologies, and on the slab there's what effectively looks like a T101. Yeah. Yeah, but would you include in a crossover the future war elements that G.I. Joe is now tasked with averting this advanced AI coming online? Is that their their main goal in this crossover? Yeah, that could be interesting. Then you could throw up some sort of moral conundrum, couldn't you? Because you could have members of the G.I. Joe team who, who are against any kind of altering of the timeline. Tricky, um, though. It always was like the Terminator trope to keep the past events focus small so maybe we'd be talking about a gi joe team of the future rising up to defeat skynet and them sending back a lone hero to intervene in the past who that hero would be hmm anybody's guess i think snake eyes is off the table because he can't speak how do you convince sarah connor 
to get down <laughs> if it can't say nothing. <laughs> yeah. I like it, though. It's, it's, it sounds good. It sounds it's good. a fertile stomping ground for ideas. Yeah. Uh, Joe Hunter 73 uh, kind of mentions about playing with his G.I. Joes and Star Wars at the same time. And he says, I crossed over Star Wars and my Joes, of course, Cobra and the Empire versus Rebels and the Joes. Many chokeholds from Vader to Cobra Commander. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, although they were on the same team, so I guess he's choking them out for his uh, ineptitude. Or and maybe Flint. third factions, man. Yeah, Flint and Leia as a, as a kind of item. Wedge Cap says, my opinion is ever that the 80s cartoon Joe, Transformers, Gemini, and Inhumanoids all share the same universe. While I think more is better, I can understand the objection to adding other things like Micronauts. They weren't part of it. But according to my memory, everyone liked or was at least fine until it, until recently, which I think is more a symptom of adverse reaction to Hollywood trends. Hmm. Well-reasoned response, man. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, crossovers have, have definitely fallen out of favor. But huh, getting back to Flint and uh, <laughs> Leia. and Princess Leia, um, yeah. that would be tricky with the action figures, given her limited articulation, man. Yes. <laughs> Got to hit it from the back. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to move over to uh, Instagram now and see what we've got over here. Let's see what we've got. Uh, Green Jester Cosplay says G.I. Joe and Suicide Squad. Interesting. So, would this be the classic run of Suicide Squad? Because I did that as a kid. Really? Yeah, I had a stand-in really? for, uh, was it Peacemaker? The kind yeah. of Nazi-turned-superhero, um, t- well, turned anti-hero, gun-toting dude. I, I think I had a G.I. Joe stand-in for that. And isn't it in that miniseries, was it the Janus Directive? In the the uh, classic Suicide Squad run, where they actually fight an enemy called an enemy organization called Cobra with a K. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. On a space station. Yes. I did yes, I that. Think you're right. I played that with my action figures. Okay, you're you're ahead of the game here, son. Oh, buddy, I thought maybe you'd know about classic uh, Suicide Squad. I've read. I haven't. As John Ostrander, I think isn't That's it? it. I, can't, I forget who's on art, but uh, I. I possibly have read some of it, but no, that that is one that slipped me by. So that is something that when I hear people talking about it, I'm like, oh, cool, I've got to put that on the list. As a child reading it, it blew my mind that the bad guys were called Cobra. And they were kind of a snake yeah. cult with lots of followers in uniform. And the guy yes. leading them kind of had a serpental vibe to him. Yep. Uh, it seemed like a rather unsubtle crib at that point. I definitely know of Cobra, but I know of Cobra from being a Flash nemesis. Uh, Wally West Flash I'm talking about. I'm not, not into no Barry Allen original Flash. I'm talking about second generation Wally West. Yeah, and definitely that <clears throat> one of his arch nemesis was Cobra and all the goons that came with him, similar to what you're saying. Oh yeah, nice. Yep. Uh, Green Jester Cosplay also gives us G.I. Joe Centurions and G.I. Joe Batman. Hmm. Interesting. Nice. Snake uh, Eyes and Batman, I think there have been fan arts. I've definitely seen some renditions of that. Cool. Yeah. Cavball Customs gives us G.I. Joe Call of Duty as a video game. Oh, man. That could be fun, I think. Easily done, surely. I mean, people yeah. do skin up their, their kind of custom characters to look like Joes of their, their choosing. Beachhead's yeah, an easy cool. one. Uh, Shockwave is another popular choice. And he also says G.I. Joe Aliens is an animated miniseries. I think I'd rather see that as an animated than a live action. So I think that's a few people have said that. That's mm. quite cool. Galos Pintos says G.I. Joe and Fortnite. 
Yes, I know Firefly's already a character. I, I know nothing about Fortnite other than it's, it's a game that I think my downstairs neighbor's son plays about 18 hours a day and just shouts and swears a lot raising him right i know nothing is it a first person shooter online or something like that yes i, I honestly don't know so best of my knowledge it, it also mixes building elements so you okay. kind of create structures to use as a base for you <laughs> so it's right. the elements of i suppose minecraft and elements of um, call of duty just smashed together so I can only imagine Joe's like toll booth being a shoe in for, for Fortnite. Yep. Honestly, it's it's beyond my kin. I've never okay. sunk any time into it because I'm afraid. I'm terrified. <laughs> you like it? It's a big old monster that seems to be consuming so many of us. So yes. I, I must resist. Okay. <laughs> Back to my uh, PlayStation One days and Resident that's Evil it, Two. That's it. Back to Resident Evil Two. Joe's Joe's says none crossovers are kind of lame, especially Punisher and Eminem. Uh, okay, Hillbilly Harper, Eric Harper says G.I. Joe and Mask or Predator as live action. Cool. I think either of those could work. We've spoken about those. Joe Zeit says G.I. Joe and Spook Ops would be cool. I don't know what Spook Ops is. No, neither do I. And Predator cinematically, Apologies. hasn't that been flogged to death, man? It wasn't the last movie absolute trash? Yes, yes, I didn't like it, actually. Hmm. Mm. So yeah, maybe maybe live action is not the way to go. Or maybe we need one to win it back. Just try and find the winning formula that made Predator, the first film, so watchable. But I yes. think the only way to do that would be to attempt to remake it, but just with GI Joe characters. And we, we we've yeah. all been doing that in our heads anyway. I know Diagnostic does that too. You know, yes. uh, Joe Zeitz also says, "Now follow me here." First appearance of Punisher was in Spider Man. Spider Man crossed over with Transformers, and Transformers crossed over with GI Joe. So GI Joe Punisher crossover would have made sense during the Marvel days. Ooh, the six degrees of separation from GI Joe. Yeah, you could play that That's game. It. Everything's connected to everything. <laughs> I think that could have worked in the Marvel days. I think a GI Joe Punisher story could have worked in the comics. Uh, and Tondo Vision says, "Magnum PI." Magnum PI, I'd like to see that actually, maybe with uh, some kind of, as a comic, as some kind of comedy writers, maybe Jeff Parker, who writes or wrote Batman 66, uh -huh. uh, is I think would be good for a G.I. Joe Magnum PI story, I think that could be funny. Well, uh, to my G mind, there's only one native Hawaiian in the G.I. Joe roster, and that would be Torpedo, so maybe yes. Torpedo and Rock and Roll go down to Hawaii to catch some waves... Yeah, and, that could uh, be cool. Could they be need cool. Magnum PI services, man. They've been framed up. <laughs> <laughs> it could be like the story when, who was it, Rock and Roll and Clutch, was yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, when, on the surfing and the, the dreadnoughts. So the dreadnoughts could show up as well. Magnum PI is on the scene. That could be quality. Brilliant. Uh, G Unit 2472 says G.I. Joe Stargate SG1. Huh. I recently rewatched Stargate. Yeah. The movie. Yeah. I think back in the okay. day, my friends and I played out that scenario without Joe's anyway. Cool. Yeah. I, I, is it worth a rewatch then? Kurt Russell, mm, yeah? No. <laughs> okay. All it's, right. it's, it's, look, to be honest, it set the mold. I'm sure it um, cribs so many films, but to my mind, I can think of far more films that have cribbed Stargate than films yes. that Stargate has cribbed. Okay. Like the, the whole idea of like military people juxtaposing with like a primitive race in a alien world like all those tropes man i think emmerich what is his name roland emmerich 
he's yep. set up in, in Stargate. It's not a great movie, but it is certainly a an important movie for the genre. Yeah. yeah. Some of the character designs are good, especially of the you know the Egyptian god figures. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's a very striking design. They don't. They didn't have to do much because that's all you know, kind of historical stuff. But they made them look pretty menacing and, and cool. I thought. Big time. Anyway, the last one we got here is from Phil, our man Phil. You change, Matt. Sorry, Phil. Uh, GI <laughs> Joe, John Carpenter's The Thing, which, if you take the setting from Panic at the North Pole issue two and put in the fight with Trojan Robot from issue three, you kind of have it all already. But hey, realistic wishes. That's my motto. But yeah, that I think Panic at the North Pole with John Carpenter's The Thing as, a, as an Elseworlds story where Joe characters could die, that could be quality. Phil, if you haven't seen it already, I'm going to link you to a YouTube clip called Zombie Zombie. Oh, shit. This is the one you sent me last week, of course. Your wish has been granted. Oh, yes. man. That was incredible. Oh, man. That was... How have I forgotten that already? That's the chief memory at play there. But yes, that was... That's something else. To put really, it in perspective really for the listeners who haven't seen Zombie Zombie, and I hasten you to YouTube search it. I'll be putting the link up on perhaps the Facebook group. Check it out. Yes. It is a stop motion animation using G.I. Joe action figures heavily inspired by The Thing. So at least in a stop motion animation short, Phil's wish has been granted. It's excellent yes. and certainly the, sets the bar for any similar productions. Because the set design and the execution is second to none. It is a professional production, and it who, is beautiful. Who was the, who was the who's the behind it? Who's the the brains behind it? Oh, for the life of me, I don't know off the top of my head, but uh, I don't think they've produced anything similar since. So okay. it's a very much a standalone, but it is one of those pillars of both stop motion animation and music production, and film production, and use of G.I. Joe action figures. It's just, it yeah. hits on all cylinders. And anyone listening to this will love it, I assure you. Zombie, zombie. Stick it up on the Facebook, and I'll, I'll put it up on the uh, Twitter as well, the link to it. So, yeah, great stuff. Uh, and that's it. That's, that's all we got time for today. I think we had some great responses there. And when you read an idea, it's like, okay, but when you actually then start talking about it and hashing out how it could work... It you know it really does fire off the neurons in the in the old brain and you start thinking about some cool ideas. So thanks a lot for all those suggestions, people. Yeah, top responses once again, which is why this section is fast becoming my favourite. Awesome, <laughs> good stuff. Um, yeah, as I said, that's it for us. I think we're on one seven nine and one eighty for next week. I think I actually own the cover for issue one seven nine. Uh, I should know that, but I'll go and check that. I think I do. Uh, if I don't, then one of the two Seddon boys will own it. That's for sure. But <laughs> Are you guys the only one... people buying up covers at this point? And art? <laughs> 179 <laughs> and 180 for next week. If you want to do your homework and you're one of the 50% who potentially have read these before and uh, SJub7 saying 50% of you have never read these issues, I'll put a poll up for that as well. I'd forgotten, but no, I don't have <laughs> a pad and I see my homework. Uh, please, do you want to make it interesting, so. Chief? Should we... Uh... <laughs> Put a little wager on this. I mean, I know right, you're, yeah, so you're what, a betting what you, man. What do you want? You can you can take 50 and above or 50 and below, and I'll take the other one. What do you want? I'm going to say 50 and below. Have I'm read it. 50 and below. Yeah. Have read it. Yeah. Okay, fine. So I'll right, say I'll, for, I'll, 49%. All right, and I'll take 50 and above. Yeah. Fine. Uh, we're on. What, 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 what have we got on this? A what packet of broad beans? <laughs> a packet of broad yeah, beans. Um, your jammer action figure. <laughs> 
No, look, <laughs> uh, po- postage is probably impossible at this stage, so I guess it'll have to be an intellectual bet. I, I don't know, man. Um, is there anything that I have that you want? Uh, I don't know. Or maybe I pick a movie that you have to watch and tell me about, and then if you win, you pick any movie even if you think I'm going to hate it and I have to watch it. <laughs> you have to rewatch Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you better, I'll tell you what, if you're voting on this poll, make sure it's 50 and above. Oh, jeez. Okay, no, that's a bogus stake. Um, you have to watch G.I. Joe the movie okay. and dedicate an episode of Out of Timers to it. There you go, if I win. Okay, and what's, what about if I win? I don't know, you set the stake. I have to agree okay. to it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't. Uh, you've you've caught me short-handed. Here. I'll think of something and uh, message you offline. What it mm, is, and we'll include it in the poll. Awesome listeners, vote yes. and uh, make sure you don't uh, cheat. Don't suddenly read yes. these issues and say, "Ah, I've read them. Uh, I'm counting yes, for chief." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I might do the I might do the forfeit anyway. So no, but you're saying I've got to include it on an out of timers episode. That's fine. That's fine. I'll do that. Uh, listen, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do it in all the usual places. The email is talkingjoecomics at gmail.com. It's the same on Instagram and Twitter is talking underscore Joe. Of course, there's the Facebook group. It's Talking Joe, a G.I. Joe podcast. So get onto that. Lots of good conversations happening in all those places. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do it, sir? I'm going to switch up this week. If anyone wants to email me directly, because we have been getting some terrific email responses, particularly calling me out on on my facts being bogus. Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) No, really, I do appreciate it because it sends me on a a learning excursion. And uh, I do have a thirsty brain for knowledge, particularly about G.I. Joe. So if you want to get a hold of me directly, a real South African hero at gmail.com is how you'd find me. That's a real South African hero at gmail.com. Yeah, do it. Pump some pump some questions into the man. Call him out on his wrongdoings. <laughs> uh, or praise him. Or praise him for his right doings. That's your choice. Uh, you can find me over on my other podcast, which is The Outer Timers. It's the space uh, outer, O-U-T-T-A, space timers. Or in fact, if you're searching, it might even be all one word. I don't even know what I'm doing here. It's way past my bedtime. But go and check that out. It's on all the usual places, all the social medias, and on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, all the usual stuff. This week, by the time this episode lands, we'll have Tomorrow. put new shows out onto the network. We're doing a Clone Wars rewatch of the animated show in... Uh, chronological order which you can get that from the Star Wars website but we're doing that and I've also got a wrestling watch along show which will be a fortnightly show which I'm doing as well so now I am on the air five times a week one thing's going to happen at the end of a a couple of weeks you're going to be sick to death there's a sound of my voice but Mm. there's that and also I'm sticking up on Chiefy Two Shoes on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, the daily comic strips chronicling my wife giving birth to our kid, although I have neglected that for the last three days, so it clearly is not daily, it's daily when I feel like it. Chief, they're not going to be sick of you, man, they're going to be begging out for more, crying. In fact, you're going to have to drop maybe some YouTube vids to meet this demand, brother. (laughs) Yeah, there are some YouTube vids out Mm, there. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. Chiefs <laughs> but with all... World. <laughs> Chiefs World. I've introduced Steve. There's a few people out there who will be aware of Chiefs World. 
which is uh, I'm not going to spoil it. We'll, we'll save that for another time. But I'll drop those, and uh, I, I've been indoctrinate a few people with the workings of Chief from 25 years ago. But with all that said and done, we will catch you down the road. Yo, Joe.